Recorded live from that place that was never as good as it was the first time you went there, this is Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her. Earlier this week, I sat down with Darren and Heather Stevenson, the founders and directors of Push Physical Theater. This year marks the 20th anniversary of their being business partners as well as life partners, and we chatted at length about what it's like being both and raising a family while being on the road and authenticity and how they got here and where they're going and why don't I just shut up now so that you can hear the interview. So Darren and Heather, thank you very much for being uh, on Transformation Thursday with me. Oh, thanks. We are so excited to be here. Truly, yeah. truly, truly. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, Amy Stevens can't make it today. She's uh, she's doing so much with her life right now, and it's amazing and it's exciting. But sometimes, you know, decisions have to get made, and so uh, she's you know she's going for a PhD. She's uh, getting surgeries. She's a parent. She's gorgeous and has all this stuff so it's just gonna be me but i will be enough um i mean it's a little uh disappointing that she put her children and her phd ahead of us yeah but, uh, i know how it is we're not angry we're just no, of course not <laughs> well you well let's well let's talk about children you guys have been doing this for 20 years and you have you, you well, how old were your kids when you started push physical theater well Going back, let's see, we we met in college um, yeah. and we got married very shortly after meeting. And within, oh, three months, I think I was pregnant. And then after I gave birth to the first one, uh, after three months, I yeah. think I was pregnant again. Um, so you have a baby uh, once every three months. <laughs> well, we stopped after two, though. Yeah, fortunately, they, 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 they know how they know what causes that now. I don't know if you know yeah. that or not. Yeah, we had no idea. It was a long time ago. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, with their with our kids, um, they from the time that they were born, they actually were in classes with us. We would put them in like a little baby seat and get um, permission from the teacher to have them in there and they would just sit in their seat and hold their rattle and laugh as we crossed the floor in a dance class or a tap class. I mean, that, that really kept them engaged. Um, and we would kind of tag team on and off during the beginning of our career. And so they've really always been in this business with us. And we've always realized that, uh, I think I've said anyway, that they did not choose this life style that we run. And so at the very least, it should be fun. So over the years, they have met a lot of fantastic people and uh, performers, uh, quirky and quirky skills and talents and things for them to just have a ball with. So I think it, I think it was a good upbringing, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I think. Um... I think we were not bad parents. <laughs> Actually, we had a lot of good people around us too. Yeah, so we had was, a lot of. It was a village raising the kids. <laughs> yes, it's just that because we toured a lot, the mm -hmm. village just changed every couple of days. Yes. Um, but I, I will say that, like, there are two things we did a lot of made a lot of mistakes, but two things we did well, and by we I mean Heather. Um, she's the better parent of the two of us. But we, what one thing that she would do is every hotel room that we got to, there was a routine for the kids. So they would have like an album with photographs of all our family members. There were pictures that would get put up in a certain spot. There was a particular toy that each one of them had chosen and that would get put in the, in the hotel bed, but then they would get their little blank, their personal blanket with it. And it all seems sort of like silly stuff, but what it said to them was that home is a state of mind and at home is about the people that you're with, it's about the relationships and it's about certain routines that you have. Um, it's not for us about a place. So home is important. It just the definition of what home is uh, can be different. Yeah, I knew exactly when you started telling us that, I was like, that's brilliant. That was such a brilliant idea to, okay, this is your home today. This is going to be your home for however long it's going to be. So let's make it a home. It's not just a hotel room. And the pictures, we I, I was uh, privileged enough to actually uh, watch your uh, 
launch for the fundraiser for your 20th anniversary and some of the pictures you shared the the one of the of your kids like doing like they were doing the laundry like like sometimes you would see like old pictures of like the kids squashing grapes to make wine they were squashing <laughs> costumes to make clean and look like they're having such a great time yeah we oh, would yeah. Throw, we uh if we were really in a tight spot and couldn't find a washer dryer because that you know this is this is probably before we were in hotels that had that provided yeah. and plus you'd still have to pay for it which is yeah. like what a dollar 50 a load or yeah, something a dollar you know we were just starting out performers um so we threw the laundry in the tub with a little bit of suds and the kids jumped in and uh they would yeah like you said lucille ball uh mm -hmm. you know kicking around grapes in there we do the wash cycle and the rinse cycle and they thought they were having a ball so. we broke many child labor laws <laughs> No, no, you didn't see that was that was part of their uh, homeschooling physical education program. Yes, it was. That's exactly that's what that was. That's what we did. I yeah. tend to be quite efficient. So if I can get their their PE credit and their <laughs> their exercise for the day and get the laundry done, it's a plus. Oh, and also chemistry, like the sulfactant action. Yes. Water. Absolutely. there's so many different things you can learn by washing a load with your feet that's right it was just amazing yeah so i you i, I, I want to go back here and i want to make sure so you both came from a background of dance correct you both are dancers primarily when you started uh, or well heather was i my background was in mime um sort of corporeal and illusionary mime which is a bit of a esoteric sort of weird thing and then came to dance uh, and met Heather on the, I guess you were taking the opposite direction journey. She was moving sort of through dance into this um, mime uh, world. Yeah. Okay. So you guys, but you met in college mm -hmm. uh, and you was, did you perform together as a couple before you started push? uh how did you i guess how did you get from two college students in love uh to the to creating a physical and not a dance troupe was it always called physical theater uh was it something that you guys were doing that you did not want to call it dance so why don't i just jump back yeah. real quick sure. yeah. so um at the beginning of our relationship um i when i met darren it was September of 1992. I was 21. Wow, you are very old now. <laughs> Awkward <Ow>. silence. Ow. <laughs> there is uh, lovely was, knowing you. <laughs> 1992. Um, I was 21 going on 22. Darren had um, come from England to take this course in St. Louis. So the two of us, I left my home and at the time was in Charlotte, North Carolina. I, I moved out there to take this course with a certain teacher um, that we wanted to both study with that he was opening at a conservatory. So yeah. it was about 20, I think it was 25, 28 students, something yeah, like that. Tiny. Yeah, yeah, and we were gonna be together for a couple of years. Wow. So Darren came over from England. He was 19 and had actually that day or something that you arrived, he turned yep. 20. Um, we met in this conservatory, which was all focused on mime, dance, uh, acting. Yeah, yeah. And we actually had uh, like religious courses in the evening. So we were, we were interested actually in, we came from um, a, Christian families. Yeah, I'm a preacher's kid. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I found out about this place actually through our church in yeah. North Carolina. So that was like our the way that we got there. Um, so both of us and uh, Darren had already earned an associates in graphic design. Yeah, that was my fallback uh, career yes. when my theater career inevitably failed yeah you uh, could make money <laughs> well i'm just gonna tell you photoshop has changed a little bit since then so you well not... i i tell you what we when i was in college i learned it, it was right before computers changed the entire industry uh -huh. in my entire degree course i spent two weeks uh on the computers and we would leave our lab and go downstairs to the computer room 
where we use the first ever edition of Photoshop. And the professor, I kid you not, said, I, I don't know how to use these things, but you're probably going to have to use them once or twice in your career. So you may as well mess around with them for a couple of weeks, <laughs> which, which then uh, made me unhirable uh, with my degree. So now I'm, uh, I'm a performing artist. <laughs> But he is our in-house graphic designer for sure. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, I got there to St. Louis when I was 20. Um, I had been through a very heavy illness. And so I did not, um, I tried to start college and then I had to stop just in my first couple months. So I was still recuperating from illness. Um, met Darren in St. Louis. We started, I think we did one piece together as um for a grade i think we met up to do yep. that remember that yeah so we did one number together i do remember um our i was in the apartment with a couple of roommates and i was getting ready to go to a rehearsal and so now we just throw anything on but i was like i chose my clothes and somebody did my hair <laughs> and my makeup and they were like oh girl you know he's gonna be all over you so um so we went over and rehearsed together um and then i think it was history we went out i think i asked you out i can't remember it was something like that anyway. you said to me a girl and the reason why i didn't ask her out was because she was clearly way out of my league and so what's the point in even asking right uh. And so after two months of this, she ended up having to ask me and said, hey, um, so a group of us are going out uh, tonight. I don't know if you want to come. Uh, uh -huh. I thought, sure, I'll go out with a group of you. Yeah, and, uh, I'm sure, yeah. We split off from the group pretty soon. Pretty quickly, yeah, yeah. it was just him and I. And then after that, it was five months later, we got married and three yeah. months later I was pregnant. Yeah. And, but, and, and there we go. And I will say for your listeners, don't do what we did. We're not giving advice. It's <laughs> we're a, a miracle yeah, it's that a we're really here 26 years later. Bad idea. We just got incredibly lucky. Yes, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Could have, could have ended in disaster. And it's an amazing story. So, uh, so that's something about eight years between when you guys met and when you started push. Yeah. Right. So we were um, we were actually starting to create and to be on the road with our babies and touring and then a lot of weekend trips and then coming home like during the times that we could. And then Darren actually worked, are we allowed to say actual restaurant names on this podcast? No, because I hated that restaurant okay. so much that All I right. would not want to give that seafood restaurant Could we say what it rhymes with? Sure. <laughs> Can we? Ed sure. Lobster. Ah, yeah. Or Ed Hopster. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was, and it was not just, it's not just a Ed Mobster. Oh, it, yeah. it was, I worked at the worst one in the country. We would go on tour and I would oh, mention to people that I yeah, you worked, worked at Dead Mobster one and they would say, oh my God, you work at that branch? We've heard of you guys. <laughs> oh my God. But the wonderful thing about it was it is like that, you know, the actor coming home to, to wait tables and that's exactly yeah. what he was doing. Um, and they were so open. The manager who actually became friends of ours, who, yeah. uh, who you know, were, were in touch with once in a while, um they uh he just had him come in whenever he, he wanted so he would call and say hey i'm here for another week and he'd say okay come on tomorrow you know here's your shift mm. so that was yeah. that was a huge yeah, huge was, help to us financially yeah um and so we were under we started under another name called expression no actually could you tell her the full title no. of our of our company <laughs> no the name of our company together was International Expression. <laughs> yeah. Oh right. Jazz hands. That's a screams jazz hands. Yes. It, it was so fatuous. <laughs> well, it's where we wanted to be. And we did go to England. Yeah, we lot. went to England once a year because I was from England. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's the international how, right there. Boom. Right, that's how you build your business. Yeah, exactly. So we're like, well, I'm from England and you're from America. That's international, right? And we express ourselves. So 
it's it could either be a theater company or a greeting card company <laughs> and that was that was our name for eight years yeah, yeah. so from st louis we oh gosh where did we end up west virginia for a little time a little like bit. we lived there for a little bit yeah. we lived in atlanta georgia for almost two years yeah and three years almost three, three and yeah. running an art school um which we're still friends with the founders of that um and then we uh made friends with somebody from rochester and yeah. they said you should check it out and we were really looking there it was really darren that was like i want to perform and it was driving him crazy and i was like i'm having fun teaching the little kids you know i could do that forever um but darren's like he literally i remember you saying while i'm young i really want to be performing and you know full-time yeah. touring so we came to rochester new york and hey, checked I'm it out just before you talk about Rochester, I'll tell you a little story. And this is why I'm not suited to teaching very young children. I love teaching them. Uh, I, I mean, I love, I'm a sucker for babies and four-year-olds, um, uh, which I realize how creepy uh, that makes me sound. Now. <laughs> uh, as an old man. Yeah. In fact, I, in, I'm the guy, I am the creepy guy in the grocery store who goes up and touches young mothers uh, babies and or yeah you're and heather will, will i'll say you can't do that honey. you can't smell the babies <laughs> <laughs> no you'll it's just be like and hi weird. hi and yeah, you get just really close so i'm like they don't like that you can't do that <laughs> so uh so anyway i was teaching a class and the way we we set this up is the parents would sit in the lobby and i was teaching a class for heather of three-year-old and four-year-old girls you were with me assisting that day i think were you in the room oh yeah. no you were out in the lobby taught chatting to the parents and the way this was set up is that there was an air conditioner uh vent between the lobby and the studio so you can hear in the lobby everything that is being said in the studio but you cannot see what is being done and, it sounds like a setup for a great joke so continue well on. yeah jokes on me so I, so I'm telling the, the kids as their little warm up is they're going to march around the room and they kick their knees up as high as they can so that their knees hit their hands. And this is our little warm up. And I want them to get their knees as high as possible. So I am yelling over and over, high knees, ladies, high knees. Let me see your high knees. Let me see your high knees. Come on, girls. So I was, I was, in, the, I was in the room with you and I was just saying, just get your knees up high. Oh, and I was trying to, funny. and then you kept saying, yeah, high knees. Let me see your high knees. That's the last <laughs> time you assisted me. Okay, I, 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 real real quick question, Darren, are you seriously the clue, most clueless human being on the face of the earth? I'm an idiot. <laughs> and, the, and the really, the, uh, it, you know, in the, the, the difficult years, as all married couples have, the thing that keeps me in this marriage is the fact that without Heather to tell me when I'm doing something like this, I would be a lost child. Uh, I'd be homeless probably by now uh, or in prison. <laughs> I, I hope I, I hope not. Uh, but so you're not but you're not only his husband and wife, but you're also kind of business partners, creative people putting together an organization, a business organization. And you've been doing that for 20 years. And I'm glad you came to Rochester and I'm glad you've been successful. But it's must have been a very you know, I mean, first off, I just love the idea that you guys are like, oh, there's no question we're going to be doing this. There's no question that we're going to be creating something. Um, my personal story is that um, that was something that I always wanted to do and never was never found the ability until I transitioned. I've, I've often said many times said everything that every single thing that I wanted to do with my life um, was blocked by the fact that I wasn't being my authentic self. Yes. And, and you two were your authentic selves and you found each other. And it, it sounds like there it is this one of those things where looking back, you can see the path, but and in the moment you were just like kind of blindly stumbling along, or did you actually have a plan that you were trying to follow to get you to where you are today? Gosh, what do you think? Well, I think you 
look at more of a plan and I just kind of stumble into what the next thing is. Well, I have, tell me if you agree with this. I have this theory about our marriage. Uh-oh. <laughs> so my, my propensity is to live my life perpetually in the future. So I'm all, I forget what day it is, what month it is. Right now I'm planning things for November, December, January next year. And so I, I, I'm constantly thinking five years or 10 years ahead uh, to the point that it becomes obsessive, it's unhealthy. Um, but it has its pluses, right? Because it means that we, you know, you, you tend to plan better if you're thinking, if you're future focused. Heather, I think, and this is the bit you have to tell me if you agree with, tends to be backwards focused. It's the conversation, the talk, the thinking is about remember the time when we, or remember when the kids were little, or I really enjoyed this thing. So I'm, um, and, and I think there are positives and negatives about that, right? Heather tends to be a lot more grateful uh, than I am and thankful than I am. Uh, I'm always on to the next thing. And I think what happens in our marriage is I uh, am dragging Heather into the future and she's pulling me back into the past. And every now and then we meet in the present moment where we have these sort of little mindful moments where we actually exist in the right now. Uh, I, I, at least that's my theory. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's pretty good. I wish those moments were more. I wish we could be in the now together more than we are. Well, if you could be but, more like me, that would. So be. this is what I'm saying. So <laughs> see, and there we and, have it. Next question, Penny. The name of this podcast is Transformation Thursday, and lots of things have changed in the 20 years yeah. Uh, yeah. that you guys have been performing together. And um, as, as, I've, as I've come to know you both, I always get the, the feeling that everything is a voyage of discovery and learning and trying to adapt to situations and learn more about things that you didn't know about. Uh, and you've been doing that for 20 years. Uh, is this also something that comes natural or is this something that you need to work at? Well, I could speak to something that's on my mind, yeah. could I, Darren? Well, I'll, I'll allow. I'll, well, I mean, I'm going to go first. Um, <laughs> so as far as transformation goes, I think that as I've grown older and I'm, you know, now 50 and entering the 50s, um, I, I am really coming into who I am and what my potential could be. The things that I have tried and failed at, you know, like over and over, over the years, just when I kind of put my foot in the water and then, you know, it gets bitten by a shark or whatever. And then I'm like, you know, okay, well, I'm not working with that person again, or, okay, I shared too much here, you know, like it's, it's kind of like finding, finding myself and being able to say, this is where my passion is. And this is what I feel like I'm, I'm meant to do in different areas of my life. And then finding the people in my life that support that. Hmm. And that's where I'm transforming. Um, I'm really excited about it, but there's also, there's sometimes a little bit of grief because, you know, and you and I have talked, Penny, we don't always keep our, our friends or our family that we think we're going to have forever um, for us to be our true self and to live an, an authentic life, then we must do what we must do and do it lovingly and invite people to join us. But if it's not where they're going, we still have to go. And so I'm finding more confidence in that and I'm letting go of things that I need to and not being held down by other things and starting to swim, uh, something like that. So that's where my transformation is coming in. And um, the more that I even listen to your podcast, Penny, the more stories that I hear about people stepping into the life that they've always meant to have and yeah. to be. And it's so brave and it's so 
right. It's the right thing for you. And so whoever comes with me and whoever comes with you, Penny and Amy and all the guests you've had on, those are your peeps, right? Yeah. So the more that we're brave and step into what we are supposed to do, we turn around and see who's come with us. And that's where I am right now. That's you. You use the uh, analogy of swimming. Yeah. And I often feel in my life like I have, I have just jumped off the edge of a cliff, and I'm hoping that I figure out how to fly before I hit the ground. <laughs> and I'm just like desperately flapping my arms. I that I get through that. And I, I wonder what that says about this. Well, I think also, you know, it's uh, we talked about this on our, um, our 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 talk for push the other night. We talked about um, not being afraid to fail. Right. Right. And yep. so for me, it's like those words of what is success and what is failure. You know, maybe maybe jumping into the pool and forgetting you can't swim. It's, you know, I don't know, is that success or is it failure? And can failure actually be success because you tried it, you know, and who's waiting at the bottom that you never thought would hand you a floaty, yeah. <laughs> you know? There is the, the, the a phrase that I've learned about theater early, early on, and it, it holds true as far as I can tell is nothing fails like success, mm. where if all you ever get is success and once you, yeah. and, and I've seen it an awful lot of times where the successful thing becomes a cage, becomes a trap for people and they get trapped into something they're doing. I think when you mix failure into it and you mix that fearlessness in with trying things that, okay, so I know I can do this and I can do it really well. What else can I do? Yeah. And going into it with an open mind, who else can I learn from? What else can I figure out about my life? What thing, who are the people that I don't know? What are the, what are the worlds that I'm not familiar with that I want to explore and learn from? And uh, yeah, I, I love that. I love that idea. I love that idea of the, yeah. as, as Darren was talking about jumping out that, it's like, that truly is a leap of faith. Yeah. And I, I uh, was just looking up this, uh, this artist and- um, Edward Munch. Yes, yeah, thank scream. you. Edward mm -hmm. Munch, the scream. And we know, you know, we know that uh, it's usually parodied in some way, right? But he actually was quite ill all the way through his life. And so he's the expressionist artist. And let's see. Oh, he created that in 1893. Well, one of the comments, one of the um, quotes that he has, and I'll, I'll have to look it up while you guys are, you know, it, it talk about something else. I'll look it up real quick. Um, Edward Munch said that if he were not ill, he would not be able to create the art, something like that. So, yeah. and, and he said it would strip him of his art if he were not ill. And it's right. interesting to me that, um, you know, after years and years of being ill, that he kind of made that work for him. It's like, where am I right now? And how can I make this work? Um, yeah. You know, and there's always, you know, pushing for the next thing, of course, because that's smart and it keeps us getting up in the morning. Um, but I love that you're also accepting what's happening right now and yeah. letting that inform your art and your friendships and your life. So it's a, it's a, I, for yeah. me, it's a balance of where am I now? Yes, I am going to settle in right here. And at the same time, reach forward and keep my feet shuffling forward. There's also this thing about, I mean, we're all sort of familiar with the idea that, or, or there's this perception that failure is a, it's a byproduct of life, right? It's if you, if you try something new, if you take a risk, you're going, you know, there's going to be failures. It's a byproduct of eventual success. But I think there's something more to it than that as well, which is that failure is a positive indicator that you are trying something new. And this is really the antithesis of the direction of at least popular culture. So if you take take a show like America's Got Talent, right? Or the, you know, we've been on a reality show a few years ago and uh, did that whole kind of circuit and circus. And there is this idea, like just the title of the show, America's Got Talent. No, we don't. We don't have talent. Right. It's not a thing that you just, it's not magic. 
Um, it is something that you develop over years and years. The show that we were on, and it was, I mean, we had a great experience. It was a fine thing and it, they made good TV, I guess. But, um, but the idea was they wanted us to present ourselves as if we were uh, kids who, you know, had this talent like, hey, we can dance. And so we put this together in our living room with our friends, that sort of thing. They didn't want us to refer to ourselves as artistic directors or talk about the organization or mission or vision or the kind of work we did. They wanted to, they wanted to appear that they were discovering us. And of course, if you go and watch these TV shows, you know, all these artists have agents and they go on tour and they have websites and everything. And so it, it's not, a th and yet the viewer of a show like that will think, oh, if I had a talent, if I could find my talent, then I could do what those people are doing. And of course, they will then try something like, well, I'm going to try to sing or I'll try to dance or I'll try and, you know, be a comedian or whatever. And of course they fail because they're crap at it. We all are when we start. And then they immediately say, oh, that must not be my talent. I must not be good at that. And they give up. And what a shame, because in reality, every time you do something that fails, it means you tried something new. And if you can enjoy it for what it is and not require that everybody sit around you and tell you how wonderful you are, it can really be the first stepping stone to a wonderful set of experiences, whether it's a career or there's money attached to it or not. Right. That's the other thing. Money is as is the arbiter of whether or not something is a success or not. That, that's one thing that bothers me. Uh, yeah. Another thing that I was, as you were saying this, as you were talking about that, um, and, and about the the fact that you, you you, it's not just like trying and failing. It's trying and failing and then trying again and trying again and getting a little bit better incrementally. Uh, the, the GK Chesterton quote, um, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Yeah, it's is, lovely, is, isn't it? You hear that, but you don't ever hear the, the, the rest of the thought because it was like later on in the paragraph where he put that quote, uh, is, is basically it's any, everything that's worth, is anything that's worth doing is worth doing poorly until you learn to do it well. <laughs> right. Mm. And it's that learning to do it well that seems to be out of, and I've, I've seen a lot and I've heard a lot of artists talk about this where they have worked themselves into a, where they now have a marketable skill. They are able to do something with a degree of mastery and people will come to them, how did you do that? How, you, must, you, have just, you must have some natural gift and like, well, no, actually I just like drew this a, a thousands of times. I'd learned this and I learned these different techniques and the person will listen and go, You've just got such a gift. You've, it's like they don't want to know that it requires an effort to do it. They yeah. don't want to. They don't seem to want to think that something that is creative uh, it takes anguish and 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 pain and suffering and 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 um, obstinance in order to do. Yeah, or they, even they, you'll have audiences that don't want to stay. It's difficult to stay with you while you do the difficult new thing. So, you know, one of the, the problems of having an organization that's been around for 20 years is, you know, we will have people that will say things, this doesn't happen a lot, but people will say, well, I love what, they'll say, oh, you know, I want to see a new thing. You know, I can't wait to see your next work. And then you do your next work and they're like, I didn't like it as much as that last thing you did. I really was into the, what Push was doing in the mid 2000s. That was awesome. Can't you do that again? But if you just keep doing that, you turn your audience into customers, which is great for business, but it's not, it's not what art is about. And so explaining to an audience, we kind of do this at the Fringe Festival every year, you know, we sort of trust the Rochester audience to let us kind of try to work some things out and make a few mistakes and do something new. And um, it's always going to be bad for a couple of years. And then you figure it out and then you make, you know, the big show that everybody loves. And then, uh, and they're like, man, that was so good. Um, now I want you to do something new and different, but exactly the same as that, please. Oh God, that's, yeah, it's a, you know, back. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Penny. No, I was gonna say, that, that sounds so much like I used to make commercials and, uh, you you would you would have them go um, you know that that's saying that I want something new and different and exciting and funny, 
And I used to like, my ears would perk. you want funny? Okay, I'll give you something that's funny. I'll give you something that's hilarious and, 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 and great. And I would create this thing and it would be marvelous. And they're like, uh, no, that sounds kind of dangerous. Like, yeah, there's risk. They yeah, there is they definitely. They, yeah, they, they want the, the new thing that the other people did that was successful for them. Yeah, and they don't want, they, they want that new thing, but they don't want the actual new thing. So did you find I, what you were finding, looking for, Heather? I did. I had two things to say. One was um, in, re, in response to the quote that you said about, um, was it loud, doing something lousy? GK, everything, every, everything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Anything worth doing yeah. is worth doing poorly. So I, I love that. And the second part that you said about like, until you learn it to learn to, learn do, to do it, it well, well, yeah. You know, um, so, so it's like, you know, you eventually, if you're going to try to do something professionally, you probably run out of excuses of not learning. Right. So he's mm -hmm. saying like, you know, let, let's go here. But the, I think it's a good lesson for all of us um, in the way that we grow into who we are meant to be is that we do find those around us who let us fail and know that the only way to help us to get better is to um, sit there with us and reflect on, okay, well, that didn't work. You know, whether it's like wearing a new style of dress, okay, that, that doesn't work. Let's try something else, you know, until we hit it or if it's doing a new number on stage or a new show or opening a new business, like, you know, the only way someone's going to try it again is to have that support of, uh, and relationship where someone can talk to you about it and say, I don't think this is working. Where do you think we should go from here? You know? And so I think that's a great encouragement about, um, having, having friendships that let you do something lousy. The other thing I was going to say is I found it's actually Edvard. Edvard, and is it, well, is it Munch? Munch, Munch. Yeah, Edward. It is pronounced it, Edward. Okay, it, I'm learning. Um, so his quote was, without anxiety and illness, I am a ship without a rudder. My art is grounded in reflections over being different from others. My sufferings are part of myself and my art. They are indescribable distinguishable from me and their destruction would destroy my art. So that probably, you know, probably have to hit the 15 second thing on the podcast and hear that again. I, I would need to hear it a few times. <laughs> but um, but what I what I love is that part about without um, you know, my my art is grounded in being different from others. And I feel that way in the world so much, the way that I view the world. Um, I have, you know, layers and layers of learning disability and dyslexia and ADHD. And, you know, look, I've, all of those things are struggles, but they also help me to be sensitive to people and to my audience and help me to be me. And without those things, I, I literally would be a different person. Um, so those differences are a part of the art that we make. And the thing, the thing that I have to say to the world, if anybody's willing to listen, is, is grounded in these are my differences and this is what makes me unique. So finding your differences and being like, this is the thing to pay attention to, that's our uniqueness and the beauty of each of us as a piece of art. Yeah. That's that's amazingly that, that's an amazing observation. Um, and Actually, Penny, that's what makes your work. I think your work so attractive to me is because it is because you are different, and then the work that you create comes out of that difference. And it's like I've not met anyone I think that is as honest about their journey publicly as I hear you being. And so when I to sit in and listen to your show, especially when it's live, feel the energy, yeah. the audience and that, and people making connections uh, to their, what, see, here's the thing <laughs> uh, I, that I'm getting around to, I think, is that it's, it's not that you have had this unique life experience that you're willing to, to speak about. But it's also that while I'm sitting there listening, I'm going, okay, I have not experienced 
any of the things that Penny has. And yet I am sitting there nodding my head going, yeah, yeah, I know what that feels like. Yeah, I get it. Like I'm with you. It's the human experience she's connected with. It, yeah, you're connecting it mm -hmm. to, to somebody like me in a in a, a way that just yeah is uh, is is really connected. Connected. Yeah, yeah really yeah. unique. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, thank you very much for saying that. I really and yeah, I I find your your work to be amazing and and breathtaking. It's honestly because of work. It's why I got back to the gym. It's like, oh, I, yeah. oh that's awesome. And it's so like, it's like, okay, so if I'm going to be working with these people, it's like the, the only thing that I have that has any sort of definition are my eyebrows, and they're not even real. I just put <laughs> yeah. suckers in. And it's like, so I need to be able to, I mean, I don't expect to be like, there's this thing that you do, Darren, that I've seen in a couple that, that maybe it's the same piece over and over again, where like, it's like you're sitting on air and then all of a sudden, there are five people on top of you and it's like you're not sitting on anything and yet it's like one by one all these people just climb on top of you it's like how is how is huh how is he doing uh, that yeah. and it's just amazing to see and it's the the physicality and the robust and the, and the joy and the all just the you know all the things that the, the 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 physical things that we have to do to exist in the world on a day-to-day -day basis are celebrated in the in, in the work that you guys do Oh yeah, thanks. You're, you're that's welcome. Really, don't you think yeah. that's what like good art does? Yeah. Celebrate us, right? Like celebrate who we are, where we've come from, where we are, where mm -hmm. we're going. And when I say we, I mean humanity. You know, like the yeah. the connections that are made, even in tiny ways, like an audience member watching Penny's work or you know a larger art project that has you know people bringing in little pieces of art and making you know a big statue in the middle of the town you know the, mm -hmm. there's so many ways to connect us as as human beings but art helps us to feel and i think penny once said you you uh mentioned to me darren that you said something about um that our art should help people feel their feelings it Is was that what it was? I think uh, the thing you, you said, Penny, that I am not about changing minds. I'm about changing feelings. Yeah. And I really like that idea because it's, it, it is incredibly difficult to change somebody's mind. Philosophers try it, politicians, yeah. religious leaders, everyone's trying to change minds. Almost, un, almost unbelievably difficult. In fact, in some ways, the more you try to change somebody's mind, the more that they and that we tend to dig in and yet for for artists changing somebody's feelings is almost trivially easy mm -hmm. we can do it every single well, night i think, a, I think a, mas a master can a master performer or an extremely naturally honest beginner I think those are the two people. Yeah, like the beginner, the, the beginner might find those moments accidentally. But I can like, so here's an example. I, you know, there in our show, there are a couple of solos that Heather does, a couple of solos that I do. So she's got this one solo that's like eight minutes long. I can go, I can leave the stage, go downstairs or upstairs or the theaters into the dressing room. Uh, as long as I can hear the audience, I know exactly where she where is. Yeah. Oh, I have those the too with one of your yeah. what, silent pieces. Yeah, them. and I'm like, when they when they do this particular laugh at this particular time, it has a certain frequency. It's like, oh, I know I've got a minute and a half left. I should head down. It's It's amazing. Um, so then there's the there's a question for another day, I guess, Penny. But is like, how how much of that is and I say this with all the love in my heart, it's a question about uh, theater. Yeah. yeah. How much of that is manipulation, <laughs> right? Because we know the, we know the formula. We know the tricks. Yeah. yeah. So how much of that is manipulation and how much of that is true connection that it just becomes something we can count on? Like we know the human, the human heart or the human uh, condition responds to this moment this way. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I just think it's an interesting topic of um, what are, what is our purpose for trying to get that emotion? Yeah. And when we find that naturally by trying a piece on stage, 
for the first, second, third time, we're actually delighted to find those moments. Like, did you see every time that we do this and that piece? Or we'll have times where, um, you know, we'll try a sound effect to get a gag. And, you know, one of our performers several years ago, Ben Christian, oh, yeah. he would try a, um, he'd try a sound effect, a comic one, and then we'd come off. And I remember you kept going on, so you had something else on stage to do. And we came off and one day he goes, well, that didn't work. <laughs> you know, and it was like, all right, I'll try something else, you know, the yeah, next time. Yeah. So, um, you know, and it made me think of uh, Penny, who was the guest that you had on with the voice therapy? Jerry Ann Jackson? Yes. Yeah. Just a few weeks ago, right? Yeah. Ago. Absolutely. So the, the thing that that was um, most beautiful to me, I think, in, in that discussion is when she talked about being with clients who find their voice, like almost literally they find the pitch or the tone, whatever yeah. the right word is for that. Mm. And they find it. And she said that something like the way I mm. in interpreted it was that they, their face just lights up and they gasp and it's this look of joy. Like they found it, you know, they found, they literally found their voice. And that just was such a delight to hear that. And that's, it's her, um, her formula for finding the voice is not, is not manipulative. It just works. So you have the yeah. skeleton of the exercise and then you let that person sort of play within that and make discoveries on their own. And I think that's the same thing that we like to do with our audiences is that you give them a frame framework and then give them space to discover who they are on their own. Yeah. I think that that's very much what I do too. I've actually been talking about this uh, a lot of places and with a lot of people and um, in therapy also is that I am aware and I'm becoming more and more aware of how performative I am on a daily, on a minute by minute basis. Um, yeah. And it comes from this lifetime that I've had of watching people and figuring out how do I best fit into this situation and altering myself to that, as opposed to just being my authentic self and letting it be happen, happen. Um, and I'm very aware that I am oftentimes, I feel more authentic on the stage than I do in, in real life with people. Yep, and too. I, and I make sure that I do not, I don't cheat. I, it's very easy for me to cheat. Uh, there are, there are very many things that I do on stage that I know what the reaction is that I want. And, and not only the reaction that I want from the audience, but the reaction that I want from myself. Yeah. And sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. And I could, at any time, I, can, I know that I can always get myself to the point where if this is the place where I would normally cry, if I don't feel like crying, I know I could cry if I wanted to. Yeah. And I make sure that I don't. Mm. Because I don't ever want this to be, I don't ever want mm. these stories of my authentic life to be fake. I don't ever want my reaction to my stories to be fake. I don't want my the audience's reaction to my stories to be fake. So I'm certainly not going to let my allow that for myself. Now that's really fascinating to me because I do. I think I'm going to be interested, Heather, in your response too, because I have a slightly different take. I do that that thing you said about being more authentic or more yourself on stage than when you're off. I'm a hundred percent with that. Like that's, you know, censor, I censor myself all the time and, and rightly so. I mean, I, there are some horrible impulses that I have that would be really harmful to society and the people that I care about. And I don't do those things. Right. And we all have that darker side. And yet on stage in character, you can go to those places um yeah but i do have this is this is the idea that i come have come to about presenting authentic authentically presenting emotion on stage is that i am cognizant that if i'm performing for an audience at that moment i am serving them not myself so i realize if I can turn an emotion on, even if I'm faking it or initially faking it, it will provide what the audience needs to go to the place that they need to go. 
so I'm willing to do it. So like an example, I mean, obviously, you know, anybody, actors will know what that means, but uh, even physically, like the movie you just talked about, where like there's a thing where I'm lifting five people all, all at the same time. Yeah. And I am right on the edge of my physical capacity every single time I do that. Uh, in fact, the very first time I did it, I, everybody on, my, on me felt my spine crack like it was on a chiropractor's table. Bah, 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 all these parts and thought they'd broken me. And uh, they very did. So that on that move, I am I hold my breath the whole time to, to give a, a, a pressure in the torso to support the spine. Every muscle in my body is 100% engaged. And, um, and then I'm sometimes verbally communicating with the other people because they're close to my face. So if I'm going to fall or if I'm tipping, I can communicate that. So the only thing in my mind at that moment is survival, right? But the, that isn't the emotion that we want to transmit to the audience. In that moment, we want them to think, oh my God, that's a big, beautiful hug. It is yeah. the planet coming together and all of these bodies wrapping around each other. And it's this intimate, personal, beautiful experience. Yeah. And so I'm hiding that, right? So I am doing something that you could say is inauthentic for me personally, but I'm communicating a deeper level, um, something that I might not be feeling in the moment, but that I want the audience to feel. What, what, what well, do you think about that? Maybe you're a uh a paint stroke on a painting at that point. Like, you know that there's, you know, you're the red and someone else yeah. is the purple and the green yeah. and the yellow. And so we're all cooperating to make that final picture. Yes. So you really are mm -hmm. part of, you are being authentic and doing your job. Yeah. And I do, I do remember mm -hmm. just a funny, a funny thing that um, I have said several times while close to other performers, I'll say, I said to, one of our performers, um, he was coming in to do a lift with me. I was extremely exhausted and I knew it was going to take all my effort to do this job. And I whispered to myself, just do your job. <laughs> and I said it very sternly. And then I realized, oh my God, he probably thought I was talking to him and I'm the director and right, like, yeah. how rude, you know, yeah. and he's like, I am. So afterwards I said, I am so sorry. Did you hear me say, just do your job? And he goes, well, I thought you were talking to yourself because I thought, I think I am doing my job. <laughs> I said, that was totally for me. I'm so tired. And another time, like I was pushed to, to, you know, it was time to do a lift with one foot on someone's shoulder and they're holding my leg. I am scared to death. Like I'm not, I'm not exaggerating on that. I am frightened yeah. to go up like that. And I literally said, as I was going up past his ear, I said, get up, bitch. <laughs> so he heard it too. And we just kept going, but it's like, I have to talk myself into oh, doing yeah. these things because it's so, it's so difficult. But if I didn't do it, the move wouldn't be its full potential. Yes. And the best way to say what we're trying to say is in that move. Yes. So if I back down from that, I'm not giving it the adjective it needs to yeah. make it come alive. It's like you're saying, I am going to, I have my own personal set of fears and paranoias and thoughts yeah. and whatever it is, but I am going to personally get out of the way exactly. because this moment isn't about me it's about the audience and so i'm going to provide it's still authentic it's just a different layer it may be not what i'm feeling now but it's what i it's how you set it up yeah or no, tip, tipping over or you know grabbing or something like that okay. so here's, here's on sentence, you yeah. know? As, as, as the person because i brought this up and i'm the person who who uh who who and you the, the question about authenticity yeah it looks fucking authentic um the way you guys set it up too the the, the setup it, there's as you know and then i've only 
you know, it's, I'm not as close as you guys are, but as I am recalling it in my mind's eye, there is this flurry of activity that precedes where everybody is running around and running around and bumping into each other and running past each other and ignoring each other and almost hitting each other. And then there's this point where Darren, you and another man just embrace. Yeah. And it starts out with this, all of a sudden in the middle of this, there's these two people who are just holding on to each other. And I remember looking at that and first time and seeing that. And the first thought that my mind was that is love. Yeah. Because it was definitely just this in, in, in the midst of crazy, we were going to hold mm -hmm. on to each other. And it was, and it was a very deep emotional expression of love between the two of you. And then the others, it was almost like magnetic where this love that you guys decide, okay, no, in all this craziness, all this wildness of this world around me, of people who are near missing and aging, we are gonna create something here. We're going to create love. And this love is attractive. And, and it just keeps on bringing more and more people on top of it. And that's what, and that's what, and that's how it's set up to me. But that moment in the middle that, that, that started it with that, just that silent, nearly desperate where yeah. you two are just holding on to each other and your heads are down into each other's shoulders and it could be joy it could be uh it, it could be pain it could be it could be fraternal it could be erotic it'd be so many different times of love but it was love and then the, yeah. and it just was attractive and it just loved mm -hmm. to get love until everybody was there together that's how it came. That's how it came off to me. And then it was like, and and then you guys on on ground. Wait a minute. He was just, and that it was. It wasn't until after the you guys came off. I was like, wait a minute. There's this one guy holding everybody up. That yeah. that that that, yeah. that the, the, the and then all of a sudden the muscularity of the of the emo, of of the encounter hit me after the love. Oh, that's great to hear. So that's Thank that's you. that's that's how it came out to me. And I think, I think that that, you know, going back to living our authentic self, you know, being our authentic self, if we had the, you know, it, if we had that strength inside of us, we could have that same effect on each other and the world. Yeah. The more that we are living who we are meant to be in a loving capacity, then that, like you said, it's attractive and there's more people that want to emulate that behavior and that acceptance and that engagement. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so you're not living in fear anymore. You're empowering each other. So it's a yeah. beautiful image, Penny. I'm really thankful for that today. Uh, Heather and Darren Stevenson, uh, just quick, can you just do a real quick pitch about what you're doing this year? in this COVID time, so it's been a full year now, and yet you are still performers who are performing and, and trying to perform. And how are you doing that this year? And if there's anything that you wanted to plug, uh, this would be a good time to do it. All right, well, let me kick that off real quick then. I'll tell you what we've been doing. Um, at the start of the pandemic, um, back in the very early spring of 2000, uh, we jumped on the Zoom bandwagon we did, um, we were so grateful for it. We started teaching on Zoom. Um, we have transported ourselves from different states and then even a couple different countries in the same day. So one day we were in Illinois in the daytime and at night we were teaching in Australia, right from our own home. So that's been a really, uh, really fun way to connect. I've been reaching out to theater teachers all over the place saying, hey, how can we support you? And that might just be a conversation of support and offering some suggestions, or it might be meaning that um, that we do some teaching online or create videos. Darren and our company member, Ashley, we did, um, we did some training videos that are free online uh, through our YouTube channel at, at pushtheater.org. And uh, yeah, I'm back in the schools now um, teaching. And so that's fantastic. We've been doing some online performances and we sure are looking forward to be back live, but we've enjoyed to have having that international audience with us during our Zoom performances. And I'll hand it over to Darren with what we're promoting right now. Yeah, we have, um, so we're calling this Push at 20 because this is our 20th uh, year. Um, we have found that as the pandemic has worn on, um, a whole side of our work has to do with helping disenfranchised young people 
to heal um, through uh, the performing arts. So it, it's, it is life changing for them. And during this time, we've you, you, you just have to be in the same room to really teach this effectively. And so, yes, you can check out our free training videos that are up on uh, YouTube. But as we are um, starting to be able to, in a socially distanced way, teach again, these kids are hungry for this. Um, and so we're, as for our 20th year, we've started a $20,000 fundraising campaign. And, um, and what we are planning on doing with that money is in part is providing art to young people who cannot pay for it. These, they have, uh, they, they, they just- uh, Don't have the means. Art. Yeah, they just don't have the means. And then the other fun thing that we're doing as part of that fundraising campaign is um, on all our you know social media, so on our Facebook and Instagram uh, pages, we are putting up old photographs. Um, so each week, we started this week, so for the next 20 weeks, each week represents a year. So we've got photographs going up every day this week, all the way back to 2000, 2001, and then we'll uh, we'll keep advancing as we go. So that'll be a, that'll be that, good fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. Putting the fun in fundraising. Darren Stevenson, Heather Stevenson, thank you very much for being on Transformation Thursday this week. I'm going to wrap it up now. Amy Stevens will be back next week. She normally says good night to me at this point. So if you want to say good night, Penny, that would be really really nice. Good night, good Penny. Night, Penny. <laughs> good night, Darren. Good night, Heather. Good night, Amy. Thank you for listening, everybody.